Chapter 40. What do you mean you're going? I mean, Lester, that I'm going on to Poplin Springs like we planned. Lester screwed his eyes at me. Girl, how in the world are you planning on... You heard rodeo, I said, standing up. All that stuff he said, that was him giving me permission in code. Code? Yeah. Through the clouds. That's the hatch up to the roof. I saw Salvador lower his eyebrows and nod, catching on. I know how to drive her, Lester, I promise, but I ain't got time to explain it all. That cop is coming back, and I need to be extra gone by the time he does. I turned and started toward Jaeger, but Lester jumped up and grabbed my hand. Hold on, we can't do this. I'll be in trouble, like serious trouble, and... I know, I said, pulling my hand gently free. That's why you're staying. He's got your license and you would be totally busted if you left. But I'm just a kid. Worst I get is a couple days in juvie or whatever and I can live with that. I'm going. I'm going alone and I'm going now. No, it was Salvador speaking up this time. You aren't going alone. He rose to his feet. I'm going with you. Whoa, 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 Lester said, standing up himself and raising his hands. Hold on a hot minute. Yeah, I said, tossing an are you kidding me look at Salvador. Hold on, what? Salvador shrugged, but his eyes were all attitude. You know you gotta do this. You gotta. And you know together is better than alone. So let's do it. Together. He looked at me, those eyes of his all intense and probing and sparkly. Then he said it. He didn't say it begging or pleading. He just said it human. Come on, coyote. Now here's the thing. When someone you trust, maybe even someone you love but not in that way. Looks you in your eyes and talks to you and sounds like you are just talking to yourself. Here's what you should do. You should listen. So I did. I mean, I glared at him and made my lips into an angry line and flared my nostrils, obviously, but then I cocked an eyebrow and turned on my heels and walked off toward Jaeger. I heard Salvador's steps start to jog after me. But then Lester shouted, wait a minute. With enough, I'm so out of patience, it's not even funny frustration in his voice that I very reluctantly stopped, huffed out a breath, and turned around. What? Why do you think... Why do you two think that this is your decision to make? Lester demanded. He pointed his finger at his own chest. Hello? Grown up? This is crazy, kid. I'm bigger than you and I'm stronger than you. Why shouldn't I just hold you and stop you from taking this bus and risking your lives and breaking like ten laws to go back and do this? His voice started out angry, but it offended, but it ended softer, sincere. Lester wasn't just bossing me around. He wasn't arguing. He was actually asking, and I had a feeling he'd actually listen. So I took three steps toward him, and I tried and failed to keep the wobbles out of my voice when I answered him. Because you're not my dad. Because my dad isn't even my dad most days. Lester blinked when I said that, but he didn't argue. I think we were both a little surprised that I had said it out loud like that. But hey, the truth is a lot more <clears throat> good most of the time if folks have the nerve to say it out loud, even if it does hurt. Especially if it hurts, maybe. Because once upon a time, I had a mom. And once upon a time, I had two sisters. And now I don't. I lost them. <clears throat> then I left them behind. And now I have to fight for them. I have to. Because they would have fought for me. I don't know if I'm already too late, but I do know, I know, that if I don't try, I'll never forgive myself. Lester shook his head at me. He rubbed a hand over his head. He closed his eyes for a solid five or six seconds, then he lowered his head and opened his eyes and looked up at me from under his eyebrows. You really know how to drive that thing? I shrugged. 
at least as good as Rodeo does. He shook his head again. Oh, Lord. He waved me away. Go on, then. Hurry up. Then he bent down, grabbed a handful of highway shoulder dirt, and rubbed it onto the perfect white of his t-shirt chest. What'd you do that for? I asked. This is from where I tried to stop you in Salvador. This is from where I tried to stop you in Salvador. Pushed me to the ground, he said. Bull, I shot back. That's from where you tried to stop us and I pushed you to the ground. Lester cracked a one-sided grin. All right, whatever. Just go before I change my mind. So I went. I scrambled up onto the hood and then up to the attic and over to the hatch. I pulled it open and climbed down the rope ladder inside. Salvador was right behind me every step of the way. When he skipped the last couple of rungs and landed with a thud behind me, I said to him, You know you could have just waited and I'd have let you in the door. He nodded thoughtfully and said, Huh? Yeah, that would have made more sense. Boys are idiots. I pointed up at the painted sky above us and the hatch in the middle of it. Down through the clouds, I said, and Salvador nodded. I even laying on my bed, just looked up at us and yawned. Gladys, though, was happy to see us. She bleated and did a little hoof-tap dance and spun in a circle. I gave her a pat as I walked quick as I could quick as I could, up to the tomato plants, poked my hand through the pots, and grabbed my special one, the one painted all over with feathers. I picked it up and hugged it against my body. Then I grasped the, grasped the thickest part of the plant's stem and tugged, twisting the plant just a little and rotating the pot until the whole caboodle slid out, the plant and its roots bringing all the dirt along with it in a big, messy, pot-shaped ball. Grab it, I grunted. Down at the bottom of the pot, and Salvador reached through my arms and scraped his fingers around in the pot and then pulled out a dull, dirt-covered key. I plopped the plant back in its home and slid it onto the shelf and took the key from Salvador and held it up in front of his eyes. Go to your roots, I said, and Salvador nodded again and smiled. Salvador followed me up to the front. I sat down in the driver's seat. I wiped the key off on my pant leg. There was still some grit in the groove, so I stuck it in my mouth and sucked it clean and then slid it into the ignition and gripped it in my fingers, ready to turn it. And then I stopped. Not because I was scared. I wasn't. Not because I wasn't sure I should do it. I was. Not because I didn't know if it was the right thing to do or not. I did. And it was. Nope, it wasn't anything like that. It was the opposite. I stopped because I knew exactly what I was doing and exactly why I was doing it, and the absolute true blue rightness of the moment dark, darn near took my breath away. I wasn't doing this for rodeo. I wasn't doing this to take care of anyone else. I was doing this to take care of me, and it was a good thing. When I fired up that old engine, I wasn't going to drive us away from anything. I was driving us towards something, and that was a good thing too. There wasn't a no-go in sight. There was all go, and I loved it. I turned the key. Jaeger roared and rattled and shook and then st- stood rumbling ready. The world waited for me out the windshield. I looked out the window and saw Lester standing watching us. He gave me a loose farewell salute. I gave him one back. I punched the power button on the radio and some ramble- rambling, shuffling rock song came blaring out. Salvador was kneeling on the first seat, leaning over my shoulder. I cocked my head at him. Give me a howl, I shouted over the music. A what? A howl, I said, then threw my head back and belted out a wild, let-loose coyote howl. Salvador took only half a second to catch on and open his throat and add his own howl to mine, and I dropped Jaeger into gear, let out the clutch, released the hand, brake, hit the gas, and launched us onto the highway.